Hello and welcome to Rooftop, the UK's only dedicated roofing podcast, brought to you by NFRC. I'm Phil Campbell. And I'm Pip Applegate. If you're a regular listener to Rooftop, you'll know that over the past 17 episodes, we have interviewed industry figures, thought leaders and technical experts to make sure you remain leaders in roofing excellence. We first launched Rooftop back in August 2020 to help provide an alternative means of communication during the COVID pandemic. So seems timely to pause and reflect and take time to consider future options for rooftop, especially as things currently seem to be getting closer to the pre-pandemic life again. So for this special episode, we thought it would be good to take a look back over what we've covered on rooftop so far. So we've gone back through all the 17 episodes and we've picked out a number of our favourite episodes to recap on. Pip, what was one of your favourite ones? Uh, so this is going back to November 2020, so one of the quite mm. early episodes. And we were yeah. joined um, by Maria Coulter, who is also known as the construction coach. Um, now, her, Maria's kind of background is a chartered quantity surveyor, and she works with small and micro businesses and helps them maximise their profits and so on and stand out from the competition. And really, it was sort of all the content that Maria talked about, her experience of project management, risk management, quantity surveying and coaching means that she sort of really could help um, companies at a strategic level identify any risk they might be open to and whether they had things set up in the right way and the correct contracts being in place and so on. Um, And and it really meant that Maria is that kind of person that can help ensure um, that companies legally or financially are steered in the right direction. So I think it's really worthwhile a listen again for some great business advice um, offered by her on this episode. And, and like I said, that was episode four going back to November 2020. So yeah, I, uh, how about you, sir? What's your sort of, uh, what's the one that you're going to pick out for us? Yeah, just to say, I, I thought Maria was um, was really positive. Um, I think at that time when we were kind of right, right in the thick of it, weren't we, with the pandemic, yeah. you know, a lot of people were struggling uh, with mental health. Um, and also stress and and just to have Maria come on and actually just set out how you know, small and medium-sized companies can can really invest in their business and get through that difficult period. I thought that was really timely. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm really glad she came on. And and um, so I thought that was really good. But um, the episode that I chose was um, Ulrich Marx, uh, okay. who is the CEO of the German Roofing Federation. So that's essentially the equivalent of the NFRC in Germany, causes ZDVF, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, ZDVH, the German Roofing Contractors Association. And, and the reason why I chose that one, because I thought it was really good to have an international comparator, really, to look at. And everyone always talks about Germany being the kind of gold standard when it comes to apprenticeships, skills, yes. and training. So um, this was a special episode where James actually interviewed him. And I thought it was a really good discussion that they had um, uh, about why he thinks, um, this is Ulrich, um, that Germany has the professional reputation that it does for roofing. Mm. And actually, when you dig deeper, they actually have a really interesting structure there. So if you want to start a company in Germany in a craft like roofing, you essentially have to take undertake a master's qualification. They call it the Meister qualification. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially that involves um, you know, quite advanced skills about you know, running a company in that particular craft. And it's only once you pass that then, can you then start a company and call yourself a roofing contractor? So they have quite a high barrier to entry. And actually, you know, that, that tends to go against our liberal instincts um, in the UK, where you know anybody can start their own business, anybody can 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 start a roofing company. Um, but re- when we have so many cowboy roofers out there and the reputation of our industry is drawn through the mud, actually, do we maybe need to consider a more regulated system like they have in Germany? Um, mm-hmm. And because of that, there, there is a greater focus then on skills, on training, you know, apprenticeships are huge in Germany. And what's really interesting is they actually, Germany have already been through that journey. They deregulated lots and they brought back this system, which was an old kind of system based on the previous guilds. And they actually went back to this. And it's just something that we need to consider in the UK. So I thought that was a really interesting discussion, definitely worth a listen to. And, you know, a German model is never going to work exactly the same here, but I think there's definitely things that we can learn from um, and from their experience. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, it's having that sort of comparison to a European counterpart is interesting. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that they do put such a high value on that professionalism of the trade, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and they even have their own outfit over their pit. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I've seen the Dak Deckermeister outfit. Absolutely. Yep, it's quite fetching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think we're going to be quite at that level anytime soon in the UK, but there we no, go. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, another one that um, stood out for me um, was from May last year, where we interviewed quite a character, um, and you might sort of know who I'm talking about straight away. It's it was a green roof expert um, and former sort of UK roofing award judge, um, Dusty Gedge. Oh yeah. Um, so it was it was a nice, lively recording for you and I, sort of um, you know, <laughs> a light-hearted um, interviewee, but also sort of quite some serious topics that we addressed. So. Um, as we anticipated, D- Dusty is hugely knowledgeable on the topic, and obviously his passion for nature and biodiversity clearly came across in in that episode. Um, and we talked about things, you know, the importance of green roofs, how they can help sustainable urban drainage, um, with that kind of the roof being a source of control. If you like slowing water, you know, going into storm storm water systems and so on. Mm. And um, he sort of talked about things like a longer term thought that local councils will be setting targets for carbon neutrality um, and consequently he sort of saw local authority stock potentially using green roofs towards meeting their targets as well so Mm. so yeah a lot of content that we covered with him and I thought there was Mm. one there was one point that Dusty made towards the end of the um, interview and it was made towards sort of our roofing contract listeners. And he said, wouldn't it be great if in their professional life, they might be able to deliver some nature? And I just thought it's such mm. a nice thing to sort of say, you know, he's a real character. <laughs> he was great fun to speak with. And yeah, that one stood out as as being sort of a, um, an interesting topic. And I think one that's sort of quite close to my heart in terms of, you know, supporting mm. um, the environmental sort of pledge that we're all sort of striving towards. Didn't he also say that a lot of roofing contractors are bird watchers? <laughs> yes, yeah, he did. He thought about 25% of our listeners, he thought, would sort of be sort of, uh, like you said, have a passion for nature and maybe be bird watchers. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but ties quite nicely, Pip, into the episode I want to choose next, which was with um, Professor Patrick James of University of Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really that, that, that was taken everything that Dusty was saying about green roofs, but really applying that through academic research. And the reason we had Patrick on was because we published 
a report um, in December 2021, just before Christmas, um, on future-proofing our roofs. So we know from the official climate science that even if we manage to maintain temperature levels at 1.5 degrees globally, there's still going to be quite a lot of climate change happening across the world. Um, but we look particularly at the UK context. And so we're going to have um, you know, hotter summers, um, but warmer and wetter winters. Mm-hmm. And most of concern would be more extreme weather events. So yes, in the summer, that would be things like heat waves. Um, and then in the winter, and even in the summer, actually, flash flooding uh, yeah. and extreme rainfall. Yeah. And the reason why that's an issue, well, we, we saw that relatively recently with the storms we had, you know, with some quite severe damage to roofs, but mm. also quite widespread flooding causing damage to buildings and people's livelihoods. But for heat waves as well, as people's lives are at risk, you know, yes. um, it's predicted that thousands of people could lose their life due to overheating, um, particularly the elderly. So it's a real moral imperative to do something here. But the great thing about this research is it showed that actually the way we maintain and, and build roofs um, can actually help mitigate those impacts. Um, so both through conventional routes, so things like um, greater insulation to protect against the cold um, and greater ventilation to help with overheating. Also um, technologies such as cool roofs, green roofs and blue roofs. Um, and so utilising technology on a roof to help attenuate water before it reaches the ground to stop flooding. Mm-hmm. Using that water to then um, uh, as as uh, to, to as, as as brown water for, mm-hmm. for sewage and other other purposes, um, but also putting green roofs on on a roof to help with overheating, um, help with water attenuation again, like a blue roof, but also then having that social value and having that as an amenity to opening up that roof for people to use as as a social environment, but but also for, as an educational environment, so learning about nature. Um, and really what it did, it showed that actually a lot of the solutions to the problems we're facing with climate change actually can be found in how we use our roofs. Um, and when you then mm. get onto solar um, technology, um, you know, a city like Southampton has the potential to generate 25% of its electricity demand just from rooftop solar. When yeah. you think of it like that, it's incredible. And there's a massive potential there. But there are so many barriers that are in place that stopping this potential being uh, unleashed. Um, so there's policy barriers, uh, there's planning barriers, financial barriers. And so in this report, we set out 15 different recommendations about what needs to happen. Um, and actually, a lot of that was directed at our industry itself, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of investing in skills and diversifying companies. So rather than just being a stating entire contractor, you could actually be a much broader uh, contractor and maybe installing solar PV at the same time. Or if you're a flat roofing contractor, have you considered installing green and blue roofs at the same time. Um, yeah. And you know, we've got a lot of manufacturing members who are working in this area who can support contractors to upskill and diversify. So there's a massive opportunity there. And I thought that was just a really good discussion with Patrick about some of those findings in that research. So yeah. I'd really highly recommend listeners both read that research, well, at least read the summary on the NFRC website, but also to listen to that summary discussion with Patrick. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, when you sort of consider, especially large urban areas where you've got, or sort of cities actually, where you've got a kind of a huge area available to use, it's sort of, it seems that, as you said, it's completely underutilised at the moment and, and a huge mm. opportunity awaits just overcoming those barriers, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, sort of actually, the theme continues in some respects. 
because the next um, the next episode that I wanted to sort of bring up again was the Net Zero um, special that we did back in July last year. Um, and first, of, we sort of spoke to two different people during the during this episode. First of all, we spoke with Stuart Young from the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, known as Bayes, and he provided with us a kind of a clearer understanding of, of what is meant by net zero um, and what it actually means for the roofing industry. And then we also sort of um, looked at the Construction Leadership Council, the CLC, and how they've tried to make things more tangible for the construction sector by setting out a framework of nine principles based around three themes, if you like, of transport, buildings and construction. And that was obviously kind of going back to then the Construct Zero initiative, which is still very much, uh, you know, a hot topic. And I know they're still trying to get people to sign up. Um, and, and then we also went on to discuss those principles in a bit more detail with our very own um, Gary Walpole. Uh, safety, health and environmental officer for NFRC. And I think more than anything, there were some great pointers which we, we kind of covered on what our listeners and, you know, within their companies can start looking to do themselves at sort of a, a smaller scale, but still making that positive change towards those sort of net zero targets. So, yeah, I thought it was worthwhile highlighting that one and it, it links in nicely to our last two themes and, and certainly worthwhile a, a re-listen if you haven't already. <laughs> Yes, um, you know, if, if people haven't looked into the constructive zero principles, I, I, I again would recommend that. You know, um, as we move closer and closer to that 2050 deadline, mm. a lot of people are going to be asking roofing contractors and suppliers what they're doing to to achieve that, and it's very really difficult sometimes to know where to start. But the good thing about constructive zero, it outlines some really clear principles and yes. different areas that you can focus on. You don't have to focus on all of them at the same time. You can actually just choose one or two and say, we're going to focus on that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like how they break that down and make it accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some really inf- there's some really simple information, like you said, that they share about sort of measuring progress and how to get started and so on. So, yeah, a good topic and, and sort of quite, quite um, consistent with the other two bits and pieces we discussed so far as well. What's your next sort of episode, Phil? So um, I actually chose the episode we did uh, with the RSPB, um, okay. the Royal Society for Protection of Birds. Um, and I thought it was quite an unusual one, really. I think you know, people wouldn't necessarily expect us to be talking to the RSPB, but it was actually a really important discussion we had with Katie O'Neill, um, who works for RSPB up in Scotland. And she actually set out quite a concerning uh, picture when it comes to uh, the swift population mm. uh, in the UK. And so swifts famously migrate. So they're here in the, in the, they come here in the spring around May time and they spend the summer here and then they migrate uh, to Africa for the winter. And um, between 1995 and 2016, UK has actually seen a 53% decline in the swift population which is huge um, in such a small space of time isn't it yeah so really concerning um and i don't know if, you know if you um have seen many swifts recently but they're a really beautiful bird um and it's really sad to, to hear that mm. and actually what was really sad to hear is that it's because it partly is due to their nests um being taken away either directly um or when they go away and migrate, then um, they're, they're taken away um, from a roof, um, often in gaps high up on homes. 
uh, and in older buildings. Uh, and when they're refurbished, they're taken out, uh, clearly because they just look like an old nest and probably with no bad intent from the person removing it. But when they come back, their nest is gone. And mm-hmm. so they just then have nowhere to go and they ultimately die. And that population has been declining. They've got nowhere, obviously, to, to, to lay their eggs either. So um, we're really, we were really keen to work with the RSPP to actually maybe um, change that and actually to educate roofing contractors um, so that when they're working on the roof, to keep an eye out for any nests um, and to maybe avoid doing work in that time um, and maybe delaying a project to to ensure that they're not disrupting those swifts, Um, but also to to actually try and solve the problem and actually install swift boxes. So when they're doing a roof, they can install a swift box um, and actually give a swift a home um, as well. So um, there's plenty there um, that roofers can do and we really really would encourage um, roofing contractors to listen to that episode with Katie and to really explore that issue further. Yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, like you said, it's sort of quite startling numbers that you talked about at the beginning of that, and it would be nice if we could sort of have a similar conversation with Katie in you know I don't know five years time, ten years mm. time, and sort of see a, a a positive change from from the efforts that uh, need to be made. Definitely, let's hope so. So the next topic I thought I'd go back to was the topic of digitisation, um, mm. and that was the episode where we spoke to our strategic partners, NBS. Mm. Um, we met with Lee Jones, head of manufacturer solutions at MBS, and talked to him about sort of the way that they help businesses with their adoption of digital technologies. Um, mm-hmm. We also discussed, you know, obviously how the pandemic has somewhat fast tracked the construction industry's adoption to to move towards digital, and mm-hmm. and how that sort of digital technology interacts with building safety, which is obviously a huge topic, yeah. um, as well as the, the likes of net zero. Um, obviously, the golden thread is is something that we've all heard about, and it sort of gave a bit more clarity to, again, what that means. And there are some great tips for both kind of manufacturer and contractors out there um, mm-hmm. that, that need to sort of be making a move towards digi- digitization and what they need to be thinking about um, to sort of get to get things moving in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, that that goes back to September last year and was episode thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is quite a current topic for me because I've actually just recorded a, a webinar with the MBS, which uh, will be published shortly. Um, so as you say, they are our strategic partners. And I think that strategic partnership is is really important because, as you say, with things like building safety um, and net zero, having uh, traceable data about construction products is really important. Um, yeah. So clients are going to be asking questions about construction products, about their safety, about the standards that they meet, and also about their environmental impact. And if manufacturers don't have that data in a really easy, clear, and accessible way, that's going to cause some problems. And actually, those companies that can can do that and make that transformation um, sooner will, will, will reap the benefits. Um, and really, you know, digitization, we think about thin, we think about models and all of that, but actually, it starts with data. It starts mm. with manufacturers gathering all of the different data they've got about products, whether that's in someone's um, uh, memory, um, you know, mm-hmm. institution memory, or whether it's in like pamphlets or leaflets from 20 yeah. years ago, and putting that all into one place on a computer. Um, that's that's the first step, really. And once you've got all of that, then you can then start thinking about the nice, shiny um, models and things like that. Um, yeah. So 
I think it's a really exciting space. And actually, if we as an industry can get our heads around that and, and, and actually, um, you know, really invest in that, I think it could be really transformational for the whole the whole sector. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What's your next episode then? So, yeah, um, it's a, a less uh, sexy uh, topic, um, really. It's about uh, competition and uh, the competition and markets authority. Um, so this was quite a somber episode. Um, it came after we temporarily suspended two members um, for breaching our code of practice in relation to competition. Um, and that was as a result of an uh, investigation by the Competition and Markets Authority. So we decided to invite them onto the podcast. We had Emma Lindsay, who is the Director of Criminal Enforcement at CMA. And so that was a really interesting discussion we had with Emma. And she talked about what the CMA do, who they are, and the work they're doing to raise awareness of competition law. Because um, I think what we find is that people know that competition law exists, but they don't necessarily know how it applies to them. And so she talked us through, you know, um, some of the uh, high-level principles of competition law, um, some of the examples about where it could be applied and some of the things to avoid. Um, and then she gave some lessons learned from the recent um, case that I mentioned there. So. As I say, it was, it was a somber episode, but I think a really important one. And it is really important we learn lessons and to make sure something like that doesn't happen again. Um, so I think that was a really informative episode. And it was actually really quite popular, one of our far more popular episodes. And it's understandable why, because you know, companies want to reduce their risk and ensure their compliance. And you know, understanding the law is a really important part of that. Yeah, definitely. It's like you said, it was sort of um, probably a bit of a shock to the industry to know these things sort of are happening in the roofing sector. I, I suppose sometimes mm-hmm. you sort of associate it with sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, sort of more financial sort of related um, mm-hmm. you know, businesses. But yeah, it's um, a somber topic, but actually sort of still yeah. very interesting for our listeners to understand it in more detail. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So the last thing that I was sort of picking up on was um, a more recent episode. Um, uh just at the end of well, end of last year in December, um, episode fifteen was a career special with um, our very own Ruth Scarrett, who's NFRC's head of careers. And if you remember, just ahead of us speaking with Ruth, we had results from the NFRC Glenigan State of Industry Survey um, for mm-hmm. Q3 of 2021, and it the, the research basically showed that over three quarters of roofing contractors are now faced with recruitment difficulties and mm-hmm. skills shortages. Uh, uh, and you know, and it's it's become as much of a concern to the industry as the current materials availability situation. So it was a good discussion to have with Ruth. Um, we basically talked about what could be done, but also some of the exciting initiatives that she'd been working towards um, to promote career opportunities within in- industry. Um, and since that particular episode, we've actually launched uh, the NFRC Careers Service, mm. and it's just sort of worthwhile listening back to the episode but also if listeners you know today want to head to the nfrc website just go to nfrc.co.uk forward slash careers there's a wealth of information on there now um covering all sorts of topics relating to careers in the sector um everything from guidance to getting into roofing as a new career um options for career changing um useful tools to employers to help them recruit there's just 
so much useful information that I'd sort of say, listen to the episode, but also do head to the website if you're sort of struggling to recruit or, you know, thinking about a change of, of direction yourself. Mm. I think it's really interesting you mentioned the Glenningen survey because actually if you map the data out over last year, you, you see skill shortages gradually rising throughout the year and you see material mm. availability slightly lowering. And it's like a crossover point. I think it was in, actually in Q3 and in Q4, then you then get you know, skill shortages just gradually overtake material availability. And that's really what we're hearing. Yeah. yeah. I think you know, that might cross over again with the situation uh, in Ukraine uh, with materials. Um, but mm. yeah, the start of this year, really, it was the skill shortages that were causing a lot of the headaches. Um, yeah. And, you know, rather than just complaining, uh, the NFRC have actually, you know, um, taken some action on this, have brought Ruth in uh, as a specialist careers person that's dedicated just to roofing um, and also created a new career service, which, you know, it's got a ton of information on it, whether you're yeah. interested in joining the sector or whether you're already in the sector and you want to take people on. Um, so I think that's been a real success story. And it was really interesting hearing from Ruth about what she hopes to achieve in the time at NFRC. Mm, definitely definitely so we're almost towards the end of this episode phil what's yeah. your last last uh, episode from the last 17 you wanted to recap on yeah so it's um it was with fergus harridans who's the deputy director for construction at the department for business and government and that was um, about the construction playbook um so this is quite early on in the podcast series and it was just when the, the playbook had been launched um, so really, this was a, a resetting of, of the way government deals with the construction industry in terms of procurement. And they're, ha- they're hoping to have quite a transformational agenda, um, you know, um, basically trying to be more progressive in the way they um, procure work um, and work much more collaboratively with the supply chain. This really came off the back of all of the collaboration we saw over COVID. Um, and they want to basically continue that going forward. So um that was really optimistic in the early days and we now i guess is about seeing how that's going to filter through and come down through the supply chain and uh, we're already seeing it coming through in projects like the new hospitals program which are basing their model on the playbook we've had some really encouraging conversations with them so there are some early signs that it is going well um, but that'd be one to monitor to see how that actually works in reality it's quite, it's, I'm guessing the digitization again links back into that, doesn't it, quite nicely? So it's amazing how many themes we've covered over the past 17 episodes that have, yeah. you know, interconnections in different Absolutely. ways. So. Yes, yeah. yeah. And as well as building Good safety and, and net zero as well, all ties together. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, very much so. Crikey, we covered quite a lot in the last 17 episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is worth going back. And you know, it's all on saved on Podbean, which is our main platform that we use, but also on all other uh, popular podcast platforms. So it is worth going through and seeing if there's anything else that you, know, you might have missed that you want to listen to. Or if you really enjoyed an episode, it's worth going back and listening again and see if there's any points you missed or you want to recap on. Um, yeah. I would really encourage you to share the podcast with, with your colleagues um, if you did find them interesting. Um, but really, we'd like to hear your feedback. Um, you know, how have you found the episodes? Which ones did you enjoy? Uh, which do you think could have been better? Um, and how could we take the podcast forward in the future? So do you like this format? Would you prefer it to be shorter, longer? Would you prefer it to be on uh, a video rather than audio? 
We want to hear from you. So please let us know. Please email us at marketing at nfrc.co.uk and tell us what you think. And we, the more honest you can be, the better. Um, and we're going, we'll go away and we'll, we'll look at that feedback and we'll, we'll consider where to take the podcast in the future. In that time, there will be a slight pause. So you won't be hearing from us for, some, for a while. Um, but in that time, please do get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. So I'd just like to thank all of the different guests we've had um, on the podcast over the last 17 episodes. Um, and just to say thank you for listening as well. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. 